What's up, y'all? Make some noise if you're excited to be at Hume, New England. <laughs> Woo! You guys, I am so excited to be with you. My name is Eric, and I am a uh, student ministries pastor. I'm a teaching pastor at a church in Los Angeles. And so uh, my son, Charlie, and I, we are here with you this weekend. He's in the back. You're going to see him all weekend. But we are 2,860 miles from home. But y'all, it feels like we're at home with you guys. I'm telling you, we're just enjoying this, worshiping together. But here's, here's why it feels like we're at home with you guys. How many of you made that walk up that hill all the way to the dining hall? How many of you did not expect to make that walk, right? So Charlie and I, we were in a car that got stuck too. So we were walking with you guys and you may not have known it, but I was already so impressed with you students. There was one student as we were walking who noticed a white sweater that was like getting stepped on in the mud and they picked it up. Who, who is that? Who, 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 who grabbed that white uh, sweater? Where are you at? Are you over there? That was awesome. That was awesome. There was uh, another student, yeah, give it up. That was cool. I saw a bunch of you guys with like lanterns that were helping to light the way. Um, there were some girls in front of us who made sure all of us behind them knew exactly where all the puddles were. So give yourselves a round of applause, all right? You endured a lot to get here. Well, again, I, I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you, and I wish my whole family could be out here uh, with us this weekend. But since they can, I'm going to show you just a few photos real quick so you guys can get to know me a little bit as I want to get to know you. So this is a picture of me and my wife, Sarah, on our wedding day. This is on our wedding day. This was 14 years ago, 14 years ago. Now, hold on. I'm seeing some of your confused faces, and I know what every one of you are asking. Every one of you are asking this question. Okay, the bald, the bald comment, that's a new one. That's a new one. This is, I, I didn't have to do it. I did it for, just kidding, I had to. I was receding. But no, 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 y'all are asking this question. Uh, was he 12 when they got married, okay? No, we weren't. We were uh, 14. So we got married then. Um, that was cool. And then a little bit later in life, I'm going to show you another photo. There's another embarrassing one of me. This is, yes, a grown man in feety pajamas. That's traumatizing, okay? That's weird, I get that. But I'm gonna ask you all weekend long to be really vulnerable in your cabins and to open up and to share your hearts and lives. And that means you gotta sometimes admit things that aren't really pretty. And that's me in a full-grown uh, uh, feety pajama suit. But that's our son, Charlie. Uh, when he was a little guy, he's 10 now. And so he's here with us. But that's when he was a little guy. A little bit later, uh, this, this is actually Lila. So I didn't have a picture of Brinley at this age, but our third daughter, our third child, our second daughter, Lila. I love this photo of her because Lila has such a deep faith. She loves the Lord. And I love this photo of her because I feel like at such a small like moment in her life, like I feel like she's raising her hands just in worship, right? Like Kendall and the team are just coming through her ears and she's just like worshiping or, or she's like, Hey guys, I farted. Like, I don't know which it is, but it, it's, it's one of those. Then we'll go to the next photo. We got this one of our family. So we got Charlie there who's upside down, uh, you know, losing brain cells. He ain't going to Harvard. That's okay. We got another photo. Just kidding. He probably could go to Harvard. But the next one is Brinley. She's a little hidden there. I love this photo of Lila because if you look at her face, like she is right now, we were doing a little family photo shoot, but she's legitimately thinking we're going to drop her and she's having a near-death experience. Okay. So that's what's going on there. Let's go to the next photo. I think we have one of all four of the kids. Okay, so that's our that's our newest little one, Levi. So we got Charlie, Brinley, Lila, and Levi. And they all are praying for you guys this weekend. I remember 
when, uh, when my wife Sarah and I were just friends. I want to tell you a story that almost led to Sarah and I never ending up together. You see, Sarah and I were just friends, and I was crazy about her. From the moment I met her, I thought she was amazing, and I wanted to marry her as quickly as I could, but she didn't catch on quite so quickly, so she wasn't as interested in me. And so I remember one afternoon, uh, she was at school, and, and I was in junior college, and, and we were talking, and she said, hey, why don't you come up and have dinner with me and my best friend, Katrina, and her boyfriend, Blake? And so I thought, this is a really good sign. She's inviting me to come and hang out with her and her closest friends. And then Sarah said this. She said, in fact, this coming weekend, so this was a Monday. She said, this coming weekend, Blake is going to propose to Katrina. He's going to ask Katrina to be his wife. And I'm planning this giant surprise engagement party. And I talked with Blake and Blake said that I could invite you. And y'all, here's the thing. I didn't date in high school, like not by choice. Okay? It just didn't happen for, I didn't date in high school. And so I remember thinking, man, this is amazing. This girl that I'm crazy about, she's talking positively about me. Like this is a really good sign. And so I cruise out to her school and we're playing tennis. We're hanging out, we're having fun. And then all of a sudden it dawns on me. I can't go to that engage party, that, that engagement party. I can't go to that surprise engagement party because I was going to be out of town and I was devastated. But I said to Sarah, would it be okay if I thanked Blake for inviting me? Because that's a really big deal. And I want him to know that I appreciate that. I want to make a good first impression with him. This is my very first time meeting him. She said, yeah, of course. So we get to dinner. And as we're sitting at dinner for the first 15 minutes, like I just felt like, have you ever had one of those moments where you're, you're at your funniest? Like raise your hand if you've had those moments where whether it's in class with somebody you're trying to practice, you're just funny and you're okay admitting it. You're just like, I, that's how I felt for those first 15 minutes. I was just funny. And then, and then all of a sudden my mind went blank and I couldn't think of anything cool to say. I couldn't think of anything funny to say or witty or intelligent to say. And all of a sudden I started to get real awkward. And when I get really awkward, my hands start to sweat. And so my hands are starting to sweat and I'm freaking out. And, and all of a sudden I don't know what to do. And then if you're like me, sometimes you say too much. Anyone of you out there where like, you, you, you should spend a little bit more time thinking, but you just kind of say whatever. And so I'm freaking out, I'm nervous. I want to make a great first impression. And I look at Blake and I just go, Blake! Thank you for inviting me to the party on Saturday. And you guys, silence at the table. Silence. And I can't figure out what's going on. And I'm getting really nervous. And all of a sudden it feels more awkward than it did a few moments ago. And, and I can't, I'm not getting any like tips from Sarah. I have no idea what's going on. And so if you're like me, you just dig yourself a little deeper. And so I said, Blake, I can't come to the party on Saturday. I got something I got to be at and I can't be there. And again, silence. And then finally, I don't know why, but I looked at Blake and I said, Blake, I can't come to your engagement party on Saturday because I got this thing going on. You know what I'm talking, what's your name? I love this. What's your name? What's your name? Soraya. I'm going to pray this. Oh, Soraya. My wife's name is Sarah. Oh, I hope it doesn't happen to you, okay? Because this was devastating. But here's the thing. I didn't really catch on. In the moment, I didn't really catch on. In fact, I just, we just kind of went along to dinner. I don't know, something happened. It just didn't really click what just transpired. And so Blake and Katrina end up leaving. And then Sarah and I are walking out. And I could tell Sarah was a little distance from me. I could tell that there was something bothering her. But literally, I didn't know what it was, right? And so I throw my arm around Sarah, like trying to be like Rico Suave, right? Like trying to have some swagger. I'm like, I throw my arm around Sarah. And I'm like, 
what up, bae? Like, what's going on? Like, are you okay? Like, I, I, I'm like, are you mad at me for something or whatever? And here's the thing. If you ever meet my wife, she is like the kindest, sweetest person ever. But in that moment, she went like this. Ooh, and she like lunged away from me, right? And remember, I told you, I hadn't dated a lot. So I'm like, maybe it's just what women are like. I don't know, right? Like, I don't know. So she just kind of lunges away. And then she says this to me. She goes, Eric, didn't you know? I made it clear to you. They're not engaged yet. And you guys, that's when I remember praying. Literally, I was like, Jesus, if you're taking requests on when to come back, now's a great time. <laughs> like, I got no plans. Like, this girl ain't going to marry me. I got no plans at all. I remember driving home and uh, I just had an iPod at that time and the iPod broke. And so I drove home in silence and I was half the time crying, like just literally crying because I was like, God gave me one chance to be married and I ruined it. But then the other half of the time I was actually kind of laughing because I'm like, maybe I'll write a book and make a million dollars. You know, like, I don't know. It's kind of like trying to connect all the dots in my head. You see, life is interesting like that. It's messy. It's complicated. And oftentimes when you meet somebody, you got to initially ask the question, who really is this person? And maybe you've met somebody who put on a really good front until something went wrong. That, that maybe you've been in an environment before where somebody you thought you could count on let you down. Maybe some of you in this room have yet to put your faith in God because you're not sure who he really is. You see, maybe God brought you up here this weekend to give you an accurate picture of who he really is. Then maybe every single one of you, whether you literally just found out today that you were going to winter camp, or you've been wanting to go for a while, or your parents signed you up, or your friends dragged you here, or you've never been to church camp before, and all this feels so foreign and weird to you. What if, what if there is a God who crafted the entire universe, who brought you into existence, moved heaven and earth to get you here this weekend? Because he wants you to know him. Would it be worth exploring? Would it be worth opening your heart and your mind to? John Mark Comer, who's a Christian author and thinker and pastor, he said this, for Jesus and all the writers of scripture, the starting point for all theology, which theology is just the study of God. The starting point for all theology is the realization that we don't know what God is like, but we can learn. But to learn... We have to go to the source. A.W. Tozer, another Christian thinker, said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. Maybe for some of you, your view of God is, you know what? As long as I'm happy, God's happy. Maybe for some of you, it's, you know what? God must hate me because of all the stuff that's going on in my life. Maybe your view of God is, you know what? If all of culture says this thing is okay to do and it's not a problem, then God's okay with it too. Or maybe your picture of God is that 
He's like, like pressing down his thumb on you, just trying to make your life worse and worse every day. This weekend, I want to spend some time looking at God's word together. Did you know that God wrote you a love letter? That he wrote you a message? That he wants you to know everything about him? That he's so crazy about you and designed you to be in a relationship with him that he made it crystal clear to you through 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a 1500 year time period written on over three different continents by those who had a lot and those who had none by those who were kings and those who were in dungeons and they all told a story of one God who created people to be in a relationship with him. We're going to be spending a lot of our time together in the book of Ephesians. I want to invite you right now to open up. And if you brought your Bibles, in fact, I would encourage you every single time we gather together for chapel, bring your Bibles, bring your journals, bring a pen, because my hope and desire is that everything we talk about here on stage just sets you up for some really great cabin conversations with your youth pastors and your leaders and your small group leaders and all of the adults that came up here with you. And I think if you're taking notes, if you're writing some of this stuff down, you're going to have better conversations in your cabins. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it says this So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. What is going on here? Almost 2,000 years ago, a guy named Paul from Tarsus was passionate about destroying and squashing and burying this brand new movement called The Way, Jesus followers, the church. And he was on a mission, this guy Paul was on a mission to destroy these Christians and then something crazy happened, he met Christ. And when Paul met Christ, everything changed for him. He went from trying to bury the church to giving his life to build the church. And in these words, he says, it's possible for you to live in a way that is futile. The word futile means empty or purposelessness. And you see, the thing that Paul understands here is our thinking is connected to the way we live. That what you believe about yourself will dictate how you live. For some of you, you've been, you're, you're willing to do just about anything with your girlfriend or boyfriend as long as they tell you they love you because your only sense of worth comes from what they think. For, for some of you, you'll strive endlessly to get a perfect GPA because what you believe is that your identity, worth, and value are connected to a letter grade that you get in school. For some of you, because of the family that you've come from, you've begun to believe there's no hope for you, that you'll end up just like them. You see, Paul says, there is a direct connection between what you believe, what you think, and how you live. And so tonight I want to talk about what do we think about when we think 
about God. Here's our first big idea tonight. It's this. God created the world to display his glory. I want you to go ahead and write that down. God created the world to display his glory. If you want to flip to the very beginning of the Bible, literally the very first book, the very first page, the very first sentence of the story of God in Genesis chapter one, it begins like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. This amazing poem found in the very beginning of Genesis tells the story of who created the world. In fact, this very, these, these beginning chapters in Genesis, the focus on it is this, God is eternal and pre-existed all things. So you, we, we didn't invent God, God invented all things, that he is eternal. And Genesis tells this story that God begins to create as a way of leaving pieces of evidence of himself so that we might not miss him. Now I want you to raise your hand with me if you're into science. Who's into science? Like who just geeks out over science stuff? Okay, science people, you're going to love this. The rest of you just hang with me for a minute. And, and even if you're not a science person, th these, these things that I'm about to read with you and, and share with you, th they might surprise you. They, may, they might capture you. Did you know that it is a statistical miracle that you and I are here today? Statistically, it is literally a miracle that you and I are here today, and I'm going to prove it to you. Scientists have discovered something that they're calling the 122 constants. 122 constants. And what they are is they're scientific realities, scientific truths that point to the statistical, miraculous nature of life here on planet Earth. In other words, these 122 constants that scientists are just now discovering and proving are pieces of evidence that it's a miracle you and I are here and that God has left his fingerprint for us that we might not miss him. Let me share a few of these with you. The first one is this. Did you know that here on planet Earth that our atmosphere is made up of 21% oxygen? Here's what's crazy, y'all. If Earth's atmosphere was full of 22% oxygen, just 1% higher, or 20% oxygen, just 1% lower, immediately fires would erupt all over planet Earth and everyone would be consumed. So I want you to do something with me. On the count of three, I want you to take a deep breath in. One, two, three. And then exhale. Y'all, did you catch what just happened? No, you didn't just smell your stinky neighbor's breath. No, no, like something else happened. Like as you took in that breath and exhaled, it was literally evidence of God's existence. It's not just random that you and I can breathe in and breathe out. No, God created earth in such a way that we can breathe in and breathe out without everything erupting into flames because he wants us to know that with every breath of life we take, it is a gift from God. 
Second one I want to share with you is this. You guys heard about gravity? Y'all know what gravity is? Right? Gravity is the thing that keeps you held to your seat. Check this out. Scientists have discovered that if gravity on planet Earth was altered by 0.0000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000
In John's gospel, which is the historical account of the life of Jesus, one of the four that's recorded for us in the Bible, John begins this way. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And later we discover that this, this word is Jesus. And so here John says, you got to understand the creator of the universe is not some nameless, distant God that wants nothing to do with you. No, God who created all things has a name and his name is Jesus. He's personal and he loves you, which is why the second big idea is this. God created people to experience his glory. We need to write that down. God created people to experience his glory. After God created all things, he did something that he had never done up to this point. Then God said, verse 26, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. Then jump over to chapter two, verse seven. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. In Acts chapter 17, which is the story of how the church got going after Jesus had ascended to be with the Father. In Acts 17, 25, it says, And God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and... Let's say that again. God gives life and... Life and breath to everyone. Did you see what happened here in Genesis and what's getting echoed here in Acts? It's this. Life was born out of closeness with God. And that's how you and I were designed. We were designed to need God. To need him like we need breath in our lungs. You see, God is sovereign. He is all powerful. He is holy. He is perfect in every way. And he's absolutely free. And he chose freely to create the world and to create humans and to bring us into existence. In fact, in the book of Psalms, this, this ancient poetic book, it's amazing. Oh, there's so much comforting words in there. At one point, David says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. Maybe some of you don't even know your biological mother. M maybe some of you have been convinced that your mom wants nothing to do with you. There's a young man in our ministry who he's been in 15 different foster homes, two different group homes, and when he went to the final place that he's at now with the family that is going to adopt him, as he is 17 and a half years old, when he pulled up in their driveway, the mom met him and said, Welcome home, son. When this young man was telling me this story, he said, that was significant because no one in my entire life has ever called me son. And yet he knows, and I want all of you to know, 
that no matter what home life is like, no matter what painful, hurtful things people have said to you, God designed you, brought you here. He loves you. And he wants you to know that he spent time making you, that you are his plan, that he loves you. But the reality is this world is not perfect. This world is broken. I remember my wife Sarah and I were on one of our very first dates and I wanted to really impress her. And so I said, let's go to an art museum. I had never been to an art museum before. I just felt like that made me sound smart. And so I took her to an art museum. And we parked, we found this great spot right out in front of the art museum. I thought, man, this is my lucky day. This is amazing. We go inside, have a great time. We come outside as the sun is setting and our car is nowhere to be seen. That I had parked in a bad spot and so they had towed it. And the, the info lady at the museum, she said, you better go get your car because where they towed it is, is that main street where the Bloods and the Crips tend to meet up. It's parked right, which are gangs in LA, right in that area. If you want to get your car, you better get down there quick. And so we flag down a taxi, this is before Uber and Lyft. So we flag down a taxi, we jump in the car and, and we tell him where we're going. He said, oh, that's not a good area. We said, we know, we just gotta get our car. And he said, in fact, I do so many trips there and I have so many people trying to mess with me that it's so dangerous down there. I decided to start packing heat. And so he pulls out a gun. And y'all, I'm on like one of my first dates with Sarah. I'm supposed to protect her, keep her safe. Here we are in the back of a taxi cab with a guy in his Glock, right? Like things are getting crazy. But you know, you know the world isn't perfect. You know your life isn't perfect. In the city where I do ministry, it's one of the human trafficking hubs of Los Angeles County. In the city where I do ministry, just this year, 27 young men under the age of 25 have already been murdered. It's broken, it's painful. How did that happen? Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Here's your last big idea, and then we're gonna wrap up. The enemy is trying to reverse everything God has done. God created the world for us to enjoy it. God brought you and I into existence to be in close relationship with him. But Satan, there is an enemy. You have an enemy, whether you realize it or not. And it's not your parents. It's not your siblings. It's not your teachers. You have an enemy and his name is Satan. And his mission is to undo and reverse everything God has done. But friends, like I said before, God has moved heaven and earth to get you here, to reveal himself to you. The question is, are you open? Are you open? As I pray, I want to invite all of you to close your eyes right now. And with your eyes closed, I want to invite you to hold your hands out as if you're making a bowl or a cup. And with your eyes closed right now, I imagine there's some of you in this room who up until this point, you've been convinced God doesn't exist. One, I want to thank you for being here. And with your, with your hand open, all you're saying is, okay, God, if you're real, show me yourself this weekend. Maybe some of you are coming into this weekend empty. 
this year has been worse than you could imagine, worse than the last few years. Or you're still reeling from all the trauma and pain that you experienced these last few years. And this bowl for you is you're just absolutely empty. And maybe you still believe that there is a God, but you haven't experienced him in a long time. And your hands are just saying, God, I need you. Maybe for some of you, you're feeling really close with God, but you know that there's always more. And so you're holding your hands open saying, God, I am not satisfied. I want more of you. Wherever you're at this weekend, I'm going to invite you to show up to these times and to engage in your cabin times, to open your hearts and your lives and your questions and your frustrations and all that you have within you because maybe, just maybe, there is a God who loves you enough to do for you that which no one else could ever do, to be close with you now and forevermore. So Heavenly Father, we hold our hands open. And for some of us, we don't believe in you. We're angry at you if you do exist. And for those friends of mine who would identify with that, would you show them profoundly this weekend that you are real and that you love them. God, for my friends who are feeling empty, hurting, broken, in need of a, of a fresh filling of your spirit. I pray, God, that you would comfort them and meet them right where they're at right now. And God, for those that are fully aware that there is always more to be experienced in a relationship with you, I pray that their cups would overflow this weekend as we come in contact with the one who crafted all things creator of the universe, you, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. All right, guys, I think I'm, I hope you guys are excited for this weekend. I'm excited, and the thing I like about this theme, hey guys, listen up for me. One of the things I love about this theme is the title and recrafted and specifically the idea of being recrafted points to the existence of a crafter. And so I hope you guys are excited to see our next few videos. I love and I want to encourage you guys to really listen to the words of the crafter in each of those videos because he has some great nuggets in there that I don't want you to miss out on. So I hope you're looking forward to those. A couple logistical things. So our schedule's a little off tonight because we had a little chaos this evening, but that is a-okay. If you are a counselor, if you could hang out in here for like five minutes. There's a couple things I need to go over with you before I send you off. Everyone else, we're all going to head up to the Heights for our hangout in the Heights. We've got a couple things going on up there. We've got broom hockey signups. We've got escape room signups. We've got a snack shop. We've got the mechanical bowl. The most important thing, I need all your eyes up here, is tonight, please do not take the road to the Heights. I need you to take the Heights Trail. So how do you get to the Heights Trail? You may be asking me. Once you guys go outside these doors, you're going to go down outside the, what's that area called? A parking lot. That's, I remembered. So you're going to go out the parking lot and you're going to turn left on this big hill 
right out here. You're going to walk down that hill. And as you start to go down that hill, you are going to see a opening to a trail on your right-hand side. There's a sign. Guess what that sign says? Heights Trail. Yes. Don't, don't follow the sign that just says the heights. Follow the sign that says the Heights Trail. The road to the heights, you will lose a shoe. I promise you. Don't try to take it. Counselors, stay back here for like five minutes. Everyone else, you're dismissed. Thank you.